0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Stories, profiles, and interviews of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name, my name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my hostess with the mostest, my beautiful wife, my partner in life, my partner in crime, my jogging running partner, my workout partner, my... (laughs) What else do we do?
1: My everything. You're my everything. (laughs) There
0: you go. What is your name?
1: Just Jen.
0: Oh, yes. Mrs. Everything. What? Mrs. Everything. No, Mrs. Davis.
1: No, I'm Mrs. Everything.
0: What about Davis?
1: Yeah, that too. (laughs) You know, I have like five last names, so.
0: Yeah, you have. You've had a very interesting (laughs) last name journey.
1: Not because I was ever married before. Yes. But because I had some shady parents. shady you think you know me you don't
0: yes you thought you knew you
1: but I don't (laughs) I'm still learning about me so is Sean
0: yeah, and that's what I love. You just keep blossoming like a beautiful flower that yeah, never ends. I'm
1: evolving.
0: Yeah, into like,
1: something miraculous,
0: like onions magical. with a whole bunch of layers.
1: Onions. What do I gotta be an onion?
0: Because you smell like onions in the morning.
1: Yeah, that's called liquid awesome. It
0: doesn't smell like liquid awesome. It smells like onions. It
1: smells amazing. I no. love food. Onions are my
0: favorite. Well, for context, people, you know that you have, we we have a little gym in our house. Yes. And so we go down to the gym. Jen gets up early and she goes down to the gym and she's usually working out for like, what, 45 minutes, an hour?
1: An hour at least before you get don't down Don't say at least. At least. It's you not. Know.
0: It's maybe 30 minutes mm-hmm. before I get down there. But anyway, I get down there and it smells like Amazing. onions.
1: Amazing. I can't help it. I do not wear deodorant. There's the hope train.
0: There is the hope train. I don't
1: wear deodorant because I think it's bad. Why? It's bad for you.
0: It is? Yeah. Why?
1: Because I think that it can cause... Things.
0: What things?
1: Breast cancer.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I don't like deodorant. And it's another step that I don't want to take. A step? Yeah, you know, like brushing your teeth. I can only do so many things in the morning, so I'm going to get rid of the deodorant.
0: Well, here, here was a little surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we had a stationary bike. We mm-hmm. got another stationary bike. We put them side by side. Yeah. And then you and I decided to have a race. Yeah. And you almost killed me.
1: <laughs> That's the point.
0: <laughs> Not because of the physical exertion. I just, my eyes were watering. I'm like, oh my gosh, girl, you smell like a dude. You, That's s- you called- smell like our 16-year-old football son. <laughs>
1: That's called a sneak attack. <laughs> It's my magical it, weapon.
0: I somehow it's not very sneaky because, like, I go down there and it hits me about five feet before I get to the door.
1: You know what's funny is I think most people think you know, knowing me, think I'm very girly.
0: Why I, do they think that you're girly? I
1: don't know.
0: Like, if, I, if somebody didn't, if somebody thought they knew you, yeah, you're like total tomboy. Oh
1: yeah, like I'm, I am a dude.
0: Yeah, I'm not a. Girl. Here's here's why you're not a girl. You never yeah. wear dresses ever.
1: No. I have very a lot rarely.
0: of them. Like you're always in either shorts or pants.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right.
0: Who wears the pants in our family? Jen. Jen.
1: But you know why I do that? You know, because I am Wait, not- Wait, don't I wear pants? You wear pants too. I'm not very ladylike. let
0: let them think I don't wear pants.
1: Well, yeah, you wear pants.
0: I don't wear dresses.
1: No, you don't. I'm not very ladylike, so I'm not- What? The- Yeah, like, if I'm having a dress on or a skirt on, I'm not going to be the one crossing my legs. Like, I sit like a dude. I act like a dude. Dude looks like a lady.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a song that goes like that. Dude looks like a lady. Is that ZZ Top? I think it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Dude looks like a lady? Yeah.
1: I don't know. Anyway. The the long beard guy?
0: So, for those that don't know us, I'm the chick... Yeah, I'm glad you're admitting
1: that on live Air Hope Radio podcast. It's not
0: live. It's a podcast.
1: Well, we're live right now.
0: It's a podcast.
1: Okay. At one point, it's live.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, I. so how do we mean that? How am I a girl? How am I a chick? How am I gal? Since we just talked about gal.
1: You're a gal.
0: No, you don't like that word.
1: Yeah, you're just more, you're more emotional. I think you're kinder than me i'm kind i'm very nice but i think you have more empathy and compassion for people where i'm just like freaking figured out like um you know
0: you're just more like like raw you're 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 more binary you're either hot or cold on or off yeah like you you see the world less in gray Mm
1: -hmm. you
0: see it more in black and white
1: oh yeah oh yeah there's either right or wrong there's no in between
0: I'm the one that has that monthly time?
1: Yes, I do not. I don't ever get that. <laughs> I don't get cramps. We're telling too much information, but <laughs> no, I don't have funny. that PMS but stuff. You, say, you do. You, you
0: say to me there's two or three days out of the month where I'm just like- Oh my
1: gosh. Oh, if it's true that guys can have PMS, Obulate. you would be the one that has PMS. Well- I don't know why you get like that, but whatever.
0: I don't know. Well, yeah. how do, why don't we just move on with hope? Let's talk about hope. You know how we do that? Tell a joke? Yes. (laughs) It is joke time. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So you're going to go first or you want me to go first?
1: Uh, You go first. (sighs) Girls first.
0: Did you hear about the guy that got in an accident and he lost his whole left side? Of his car? No, of his body.
1: Oh, that's tragic.
0: Yeah, he's all right now.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That was pretty funny. That was, I
0: got you, right? See, it's going it's, it's to have to have one answer in order for you to think it's funny. Can't have five different ways you can look at it.
1: No, that was just one way.
0: <laughs> all right. Are what's your joke? Yeah, I'm right.
1: Okay, okay, okay. How do you know when you're too old for birthday cake?
0: Um, how do you know when you're too old for birthday cake? I have no idea where this one's going. I don't, I don't even know how to venture a guess.
1: <laughs> when the candles cost more than the cake.
0: <laughs> that is a good point.
1: Yeah. Like, can you imagine having 100 candles? What is there like 12 in a box?
0: How much do candles cost? It's
1: probably like $10 for a box of candles. That's like $100 in candles.
0: So I got to figure out the math on this. So $10 for candles? I don't know. What? Yeah. What kind of candles are you putting on this cake?
1: The nice candles. <laughs> you know, the ones that sparkle. Are like you talking you about the it? ones
0: that never go out? They constantly I relight? I love
1: those. Those make me laugh those every Those ones are more time. expensive. I know, but they make me laugh. Even yeah. though it's not my birthday, I just laugh at people that keep trying to blow the... You can't blow on cake anymore.
0: What? The COVID. I just...
1: You're right. You're going to get the COVID. Do not blow on my cake.
0: Whoa. Yeah. You just brought home like a life-changing thought. So
1: there's no more candles allowed in the world. There will be no blowing out your cake candles, people.
0: How do you blow out a cake with a mask? You don't. That's why no more cake.
1: Yeah. No, no more candles. What? Don't say no more cake.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to offend or upset. Cake is life. Jeez Louise. (laughs) All right. So um, I'm excited because I've got a guest on that's coming on the show Mm -hmm. that is... His story? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He will tell you, he's going to be the first one to tell you, he shouldn't be here. Wow. He shouldn't be alive. Not once, not twice, but three times this guy came face to face with his own mortality. He shouldn't be here, but he may have nine lives.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: It's going to be, a, it's a story of hope. It's a story of perseverance. It's, he's got humor. He's a broadcaster. He's a good communicator. I can't wait to talk to Rich Bontrager. Bon Bontrager? Don't call him Trigger. Trigger. Well, he actually, he, it's kind of funny. He goes by Trigger, like yeah. his friends call, I think, call him Trigger because they couldn't say his name. Trigger. Trigger's a horse. Trigger is, is an awesome smoking yeah. barbecue grill. But his name is Rich Bontrager, and I can't wait to talk to him. I want to unpack his story of hope and survival and perseverance. So are you ready?
1: I'm super ready. I'm so curious
0: right now. I know. Let's get him on the line. Okay. All right. I've got Rich Bontrager on the line. Welcome to the show, Rich. How are you today?
2: Hey, it's great to be on, Sean. really appreciate it. Hello, Jennifer.
0: Hello, we are excited and happy to talk with you. I know you are a man of many talents. I know you are a digital entrepreneur. Like you got, you're, you're all over this Zoom, all over podcasting, all over video casting, all that good stuff, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Uh, I've been a broadcaster for 30 years, uh, sports play by play, interviews, talk shows, and now with COVID and everything else, uh, I am online more than I'm offline. Mm-hmm.
0: So you are a sports announcer for what sport?
2: Football, basketball, baseball were my main three, but I grew up in Indiana where there was uh, basketball, God, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it wasn't in that order, <laughs> uh, sometimes it wasn't in that order. <laughs> I love it.
0: Man, your, your sports knowledge must be off the hook to have three different disciplines that you would talk about oh and or gosh. communicate about, like yeah. your, your knowledge must be like gargantuan.
2: I was really fortunate, yeah, that I actually was able to do all three. I did play-by-play, play, I did color uh, interviews. So I was very fortunate that I could go really year-round with it. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, you know, I, I more power to you. I think it, I think it's. Uh, I watch football and I watch UFC fighting. That's about what I watch. Occasionally basketball, but y- you know, no no baseball. For we me. used
1: to be big uh, Sacramento King fans. Yes, like when oh. when Mike Bibby was playing. Yeah, that was a long yeah. time ago.
0: Yes, like we we came so close to being in the finals, but man, that Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. yes. yeah, that that was Shaq and Kobe. I really?
2: really, out there in your neighborhood. Yeah, no, I was there uh, hanging. With my at, at at the time wife and we were being assessed as church planners actually, oh, and we were in the Sacramento era what, where that was going on.
0: No Oh way. man, that, those were the glory days. We thought we had a shot, man, and then the Lakers would just come and crush our dreams. Yes,
2: oh, ah, <laughs> devastating. That's why we watch our sports. That's why we do it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> true. <laughs> well, you know we're all about hope here, and uh, yeah. you know I couldn't wait to unpack. You know our interview with you and your story and so you know why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself where you live what you're doing now and then we'll get into uh some some subject of hope
2: yeah certainly uh currently i'm in the beautiful rocky mountains uh i'm just outside of denver about 30 miles north in a community called longmont uh from my office window i can see the beautiful mountains less than 25 miles away where i go hiking and camping and uh do a lot of, of wonderful things out in the great outdoors. Um, born and raised in Indiana, Minnesota for 30 years, where I became a broadcaster, raised a family, uh, and they're all grown adults living great adventures in life. Um, I've also been in church ministry. I've been a pastor and a church planner. I had a church plan for 10 years, uh, ministry of a total of about 25 years of full-time church ministry. That overlapped with my broadcasting. So I was always on microphone, either on Sunday morning in a small group or out of the arena. Uh, and one of the cool things about that was uh, it made a great bridge from church community to real community. And people knew who I was and what I was. And it bridged the gaps of safety relationship and spiritual conversations. Uh, it was one of those great God things that said, you know what, I'm going to use your love of sports and help bring people back to the church in a one oh. creative way.
0: I love that. I love how That's God great. works that way. He uses each of our talents. You've got the gift of gab. Some people have said, my dad said I had the gift of gab. And so if you can use that ability to communicate and talk with others and use it in a positive way, God's going to take that skill, that gift that he gave you, that talent, and then let you unleash it for his glory. I love yes. it. Yes,
2: yeah, and he, he actually really did do that. And then the funny thing about this is I stuttered. I, you couldn't, I, I, I wouldn't even know, that. know that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you haven't done that with <laughs> us yet.
2: <laughs> and no, and I rarely do, but it is something I have had all my life. My mother stutters far worse than I do. Uh, but like when I'm on a phone call with her, uh, I, I can get off the phone call, my friends or my fiance they can say, can you talk to your mom today? Uh, because the stutter will reignite at a higher level, but. It's kind of like the story of Moses. It's that whole thing of God will take that thing that's your weakness and turn it into your strength. And mm-hmm. uh, He did that with my broadcasting career. He did that with my pastoral, and now I speak and coach people to become better communicators.
0: Wow! Oh, that's I incredible. love that. I lo- I love how He's turned that around for you, and the negative becomes the positive. That yeah. that's a story of hope in and of itself. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and I've been doing it for thirty years, and the. God doesn't have a sense of humor, you aren't, you aren't listening to my story, because he has a great sense of humor, I think. so. <laughs> he
0: does. <laughs> well, I, I love that. Well, you, you have to have had an occasion to come across a lot of stories of hope. I mean, the whole premise behind what we're trying to do with this thing is is just shed light for those that feel hopeless right now, that maybe if you've heard from other people, if you hear their stories, if you hear what they've overcome, if you hear what they've been through and, uh, survived and often thrived after that, that in and of itself is, is hope filling. It's right. hope engendering, mm-hmm. like it fosters hope in people. And so, you know, I, I couldn't wait to, to have a conversation with you and we've all lived enough life to have had some challenges. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the subject of hope? Any real life experiences you've had in that regard?
2: How long do we have again, you guys? <laughs> uh, you know, well, I think there's 24 on? hours
0: in a day. So I think we should cut it co- close to that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Hope has always been the biggest thing in my life. Um, so I should be dead three times. <laughs> be wow. dead at That's crazy. I had a fire accident at age 10 where I could have died or at least been blind. And mm-hmm. I just went through a liver transplant three years ago, so I was extremely close to death. Wow. So my whole thing has been hope all the way through it. I don't know. Um, actually part of my mantra, part of my speaking career has been defy the odds. Uh, and so there's always that uptick for me uh, personally, but for other people is I want them to find the hope. Uh, we, we, we live in some dark, grim time right now. You don't have to go far to watch the news, hear stories. Uh, and at the same time, I'm trying to do what you're doing is give that hope out there that the glass is not really half empty or empty. Actually, it's overflowing. Um, and so there's many stories that I've encountered athletes. I do interviews with athletes, and I'll know some of their back stories, and I'll intentionally ask them a question to let them just ooze out their hopeful stories. And it's amazing when you do that, that they have fun sharing beyond the, the stats, the game action, and they get to share something bigger than the game, but you have to ask the right question to do it. So yes. that's always been behind the scenes with me.
0: Well, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow something from you, and I'm going to use it again. I'm going to talk about oozing out hope. The next guest <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk to, I'm going to say, what story do you have that oozes out hope? I, I love, love that. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's, let's go back. You, you mentioned three times, three different stories where you shouldn't be here. So let, let's start with number one. What, what happened when you were 10? Is that, is that the
2: fire? You know, actually, at birth, I was supposed to be dead. I mean, I should not be here. Uh so in uh, 1965 yes you can do the math everybody <laughs> uh, in 65 uh, there was a and it's still around it's called cytomegalic inclusion disease or CMZ it's a virus so we have the coronavirus right now uh, it was a virus that shut down infants at birth so I was one of the first ones in the entire nation I am definitely googleable and bloggable uh, on this and For some reason, I did not die, but the doctors literally told my parents at birth, uh, he will die. Mm -hmm. Just give it a little time. A week later, they literally told my parents, you have to take him home. We need the bed space, but he will die at home. Good luck. Um, And that did not happen. Uh, Now, there were side effects. Um, I'm deaf in my left ear. I have bad eyesight. um, And they think now, my third event we'll talk about, but the liver failure may be connected to CMZ. It may be one of those things that reared its head out late in life and came back active and messed up my body. But I literally should have never gotten beyond uh, the hospital room.
0: Now, this is still a prevalent virus that people today still get. This is something that is, is, is how frequent is it or how, how much does it occur? It is,
2: yeah, no, it is still out there. Uh, it is treatable now. They've found out there are ways to get the immune system and, Uh, boots up your breathing and other things that are going on. But it is one of those things that does stay active or dormant. So even when I went to my liver transplant several years ago, they asked about different viruses and things you've had. And when they saw CMV, one doctor particularly said, is that active or dormant in you? And I said, great question. Uh, And because they realized those viruses stay with us forever. And if you have an active virus in you, you cannot get a transplant. Huh.
0: How did your parents process that? Like, I'm sure you've had a conversation with them. I mean, I'm, I'm just putting myself in their position where some yeah. physician's telling them that, hell, oh, you, you know, your child, your son is not going to live. Like, I mean, were they faithful people? Did, did, they, did they not let that attach to them? How did they handle that?
2: Um, they each kind of processed it a little bit different. And I've learned so much about that years later. Um, so they had faith in God. Big God, big G, Uh, Mm -hmm. personal faith where it was walked out, lived out, was not a big part of their younger adult years. So they wrestled with that, but they both never lost hope. They both had their own way of saying, "Uh, he's still alive today, and we're going to love him like he's going to be here forever. But however did, they did not take any infant child pictures of me for at least the first three months. There are no baby pictures of me because they could not have that remorse, that regret, forever lingering with them. Um, I have since learned my grandfather uh, sent them a note, and I'm named after him, and he sent a very encouraging, loving, confident note of, love this boy the best you can while you're him." Mm. Yeah. Wow. And I actually read that letter, and I had no idea that it had ever taken place. Wow.
0: So at what point did they realize that you were past... The worst of it. I mean, is that something that they were on pens and needles for the first couple of years of your life? or you know, after, one...
2: after several weeks, they really began to realize, okay, this, this is not uh, going the way the doctor said. So they began to just live it out and live with it. And of course, after you know, three, four months, they realized, okay, he's long past this thing. Um, but they never knew when it might rear its head because it was a virus. So they have always lived with that. I can actually remember going to an eye doctor because my eyes uh, don't work in concert. Uh, they do weird things. And so I, I do remember being in the doctor and, uh, they would open up the family file and they literally would apologize to my mom and say, we're sorry for your loss. And my mom would go, why? Well, your son that had CMV, that's a hard one to lose. I'm sorry. And she goes, no, that's the kid you're going to see here today.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: Oh, yeah. And the the doctors that have a hard time processing, he's dead on paper, but he's sitting in front of me because back then that didn't mathematically match up.
0: So how have you reconciled that whole diagnosis? I mean, I would think that it would make you go, well, I must be here for a reason. I defied the odds. Like like sometimes you can get attached to that stuff that you even had no concept of as a, as a, as a kid in a good way or a bad way. So how did you process learning about the diagnosis, learning about what happened to you, and then how did that affect your um, kind of mindset about life in general?
2: Yeah, great question, Sean. Uh, actually, it set that mindset of hope forever. Everything, every day for me is a great adventure. I just see life as the greatest adventure. So I want to go tackle it every day. I don't have an off switch. I don't have a slow down switch. So to me, live life, the fullest to the best and so my hope has always been the thing that has carried me through um, the burn action I laughed I played when the, the liver action I laughed I played um, I I've always had that ability but it also goes to my faith I believe God does have a purpose I believe you don't just go through those type of situations and have it be oops that accidentally happened so I always have turned it around to I'm going to use it. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to um, allow this pain, this setback, to become something that is hopeful and helpful to other people. Uh, That's one of the big reasons I'm a public speaker, uh, that I've been in church ministry. I want to give back to help others overcome and defy the odds as well.
0: Oh I love that that's that's good stuff right there. love that and so let's let's get to the second event then. So this was a fire that happened in your life that should have taken your life. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so it's the week before Halloween. I'm in the fourth grade I'm ten years old, and uh, we have those parent teacher conferences weeks that you get and my older brother uh loved chemistry and science, and he was in our garage trying to make gunpowder.
0: Oh my gosh, I can just oh.
1: i have four boys i I, they're not going to listen to this show yeah i don't want that to happen
0: you know it's there's always a ringleader there's always the 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 kid that starts it hey i have an idea let's go do that whose would ours be that'd be colby of course The, Colby, ma- the master our oldest, manipulator. Yeah, our, our oldest would be the yes. one that would be getting the, the rest of them. The ringleader
1: <laughs> of the circus. <laughs>
0: yeah. he
2: he'd be the, need to he'd get him be the, on that call now. You need to have Colby joining us right now. Yes, he, absolutely. Yeah. So, so no. your
0: brother, he, he decides he's going to make gunpowder? Is that what you said?
2: Yes, yeah, in our garage. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> and so I come up with my band of friends on this day off. I grab a bottle with no lid on it, with no label on it, and I begin to do what a younger brother does, act like a jerk. <laughs> uh, and I'm shaking this bottle, and literally, uh, the fumes ignited before the bottle ignited, and it was not water, it was alcohol. Uh, and I caught on fire like a human torch from the comic books. So you caused the fire? I literally caused the fire. I literally—it Probably if that bottle had sat there, it would not happen, or it would not have happened to the extent. So um, what, what, day, what, what was yes, in the bottle? Like Alcohol. Wait, alcohol.
0: So like alcohol. alcohol as in like drinking alcohol or like rubbing alcohol or like?
2: Rubbing alcohol that you would use for chemical uh, lab experiments.
0: Okay.
1: Obviously, we don't know how to make gunpowder. Yeah.
0: And so was, there, was <laughs> there an open flame around or by you or did? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, an
2: open flame. And I picked it up and moved within the heat area and the heat and the fumes. And the fumes will radiate of an open bottle.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. And
2: then the fumes will ignite as vapors, and the vapors literally went back into the bottle and shot a fireball out over me and it rained. Which flame is over.
1: Which is why you don't smoke at a gas station. Right?
2: Exactly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> why this is what's happening. Have, yeah, this why you're
0: not even supposed to have your car on. Yeah. At a gas station. Right. Because, you know, because a spark.
2: Can't ignite.
0: Yep, absolutely. Oh, my goodness So y- you, I think we last left off where you described yourself as becoming a human torch. So mm. how yeah. did you survive that? Did you drop and roll? Did your brother have some water close by? Like, how? how?
1: <laughs> he's 10 years old. I know. Oh, my know. gosh, he's no. such a baby. Uh,
2: no, that's a great question, though. And, Jennifer, the amazing thing was we were Boy Scouts. Oh, no. So I, and to this day, I remember this in technical with all the audio songs. That doesn't happen very often either. So I have this videotape in my head. I ran toward the house. My brother ran around another way, grabbed the blanket that we used to wipe our feet on, did the tuck and roll, knocked me to the ground, put me out, uh, our beagle at the time jumped on top of me because the beagle loves me. Mm. They got me inside. My mom came downstairs, got me to the sink, flushed my eyes out, took me about 10 steps back to our dining room floor, kicked my legs out from underneath her, mm. and began to apply wet sponges as fast as she could everywhere.
0: Wow. So how, how much of your body was burned?
2: So uh, I have what's called a tourniquet burn around my right leg. It goes completely 360 around the leg that was the last thing they found. They did not know I was in fire for over 10 minutes. Uh, They brushed my blue jeans pants. Uh, Those, those flames are blue, the blue pants, blue flames didn't go well for me. Uh, And that was basically uh, raw meat at that point. Um, I had second degree burns all over my face, which they thought, of course, I'd be blind. Uh, Definitely not have any facial hair. I have a great full beard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And then I had first degree burns on part of my chest. Um, So, on the ride to the hospital when they finally took care of me i literally asked my mom am i going to die and she didn't bat an eye and said i don't know oh my
1: gosh
0: Oh, that, that 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 just, that just, I can just see, you should see Jen's face right now. Yeah, she's just imagining, I'm imagining this situation the situation with our kids. And yes. Now, that, now this is going to be one of those things, you know, she's a pretty conservative parent when it comes to like worrying and like danger, what Danger. like <laughs> this is going to be another thing she adds to her list now. I think
1: anytime they do anything, I'm like, you're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> Don't do that. They'll be like, can I cross the street? Nope. You're going to die. <laughs> Can I ride my bike? Nope, definitely. You're going to die. I,
0: I've got to be the parent that, that advocates for their having some fun. Yeah. And then Jen's always the, and this this is what she'll do to me. Okay. Something happens, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna blame you. <laughs> and I'm like, What? Like how like I'm just trying to make sure these kids are kids and have a good time. Yeah, you
1: always tell me you're like if it was if you had it your way, all four kids would be in little bubbles walking around. I'm like, Yep, I think that's a great idea.
0: <laughs> and Rich is an Win. example. Rich yes, right Rich, now. Yes. You would have been in a
1: bubble. In his, yes.
2: He was he was in his garage.
1: He would have been in a bubble in his garage. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I have two brothers, one older, one younger. So everything that we did, Sean, is what you're describing. We climbed trees. We had nails. We had Ugh. things sticking out of our arms and legs. And I never broke a bone. But, you know, we, we we grew up that way because that was adventure. That was fun. That was the great life that we lived, even though we had tragedy in that with my mm-hmm. burn accident. Um, and, and, and the amazing thing was, and again, I remember this vividly. Uh, when my mom said that statement, though, Jen, um, I said, can you pray for me? Oh. and she prayed in the ambulance, and this peace completely came over me. Here I am, 10 years old. I should be mm. screaming, third-degree yeah. burn, yeah. and I had no scream, no nothing. I actually asked the prayer medic who helped build my house. He was a volunteer, so he actually knew us. I said, can you turn off the siren because it's freaking me out more than my burn is? Oh. Wow. And they turned off the siren and ran into the hospital silent.
0: Oh. Wow, that's awesome! That's incredible. So, like that—that that right there—is a story of God. That peace—I know what yes. you're talking about. I've yes. had that happen in my life, where in the midst of turmoil and chaos and and upheaval, and it just feels like the whole world's crashing around you. You just have this
1: sense of calm, this, this
0: moment, mm-hmm. this peace, this eye in the middle of the storm. God, re- reach—I mm-hmm. feel like he just reaches down, picks you up, grabs you, and says, "You're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay, son. Oh, you're going to get be- through this. You're yes. going to be okay."
2: Yeah. And- I literally felt like he was holding my hand, not my mom. It was a very supernatural, very uh, uplifting moment that my mom was no longer holding my hand, literally God was holding my hand. Mm. Um, and that helped my hope, my faith. I'm 10 years old. That's yeah. one of those things you can never take away from anybody. And it with me that, that ever present hope in your time of need. Um, it's very real.
0: Did you have to go through any skin grafts or any of that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, we, we waited for several years. I was a groin boy. Mm-hmm. So we had to wait for several years. Because of CMV, interesting enough, the skin graft had probably not worked the way it should have. It never quite adhered uh, as well. So I have a shiny leg that will never tan, <laughs> that will never do certain things. Uh, it took me several years to use wearing shorts and public and things. Obviously, right now, I'm well over that. But for several years, it was very awkward yeah. to have one leg look normal and one leg look like a Barbie doll.
0: Interesting. So you said it was a tourniquet burn. So was that a function of your socks or your pants?
2: The pants is saturated and just completely gone around and had soaked it uh, front, back, sideways, everywhere. Uh, And that's also blood flow from the upper torso going all the way down your toes. So it had got so deeply, uh, all the nerve endings were gone. Uh, Once you take the nerve endings out, you really don't feel in pain anymore. It's the regrafting, the regrowing of the nerve, is extremely excruciating, painful. That's where the pain came in,
0: and that would happen over a period of how long?
2: Uh, weeks, months for, for that to come in. So, yeah, uh, we now have COVID, where everyone's kind of home hibernating, staying away from things. I went through COVID back then because I was a ten-year-old boy who could not play football in his own backyard with all his friends, all his family. I had to stay inside or stay on the sidelines and social distance. So they wouldn't bump my leg or anything like that. So I have gone through this before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It prepared you. It seasoned you. Yeah. You'd, you'd done it when you were 10. So, wow. That's, that's just, I mean, those are, those are two things I, I can't but help but think, you know, here you are, you're 10, I imagine when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, you're early teenager, like you, you lived through CMV, you lived through literally becoming a human torch and being on fire. You're like, man, I better go do some good stuff in this world. I must be here for a reason. <laughs> for
2: sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and keep in mind, I had my stutter all the way through that.
0: Yes, so too. My and-, stutter,
2: and so... So that makes me a real geek. I mean, a complete <laughs> geek to everybody. Oh,
0: no. And you know, growing up, I mean, so you you told me when you were born. So you're a little older than I. I was born in '71. You were born in '65. You know, as kids, kids, you know, when we were going to school, were ruthless too. Yeah. I mean, like there was yeah. there was no no problem making fun of somebody. You know, like it's it's a lot better now. But if you if you looked different, if you sounded different, yeah. if you dressed different, like you were ostracized. And so that that had you to mean- have been.
2: Do you mean having a bowl cut was not a cool thing?
1: So? Hey, hey, we did that to our boys. Yes, I had a <laughs> bowl cut too as a it. kid.
2: I'm like, what? Uh, like I'm Danny you from the party. You did do that to your boy. We did.
1: We, Sean did. Sean did. It, I blame Sean. Yeah, so this was, you
0: know, this is my two oldest. So what, what would this have been? This would have been like, what, uh, 18 years ago, 19 yeah. years ago, something they like that. They still
1: talk about it. They're like, we can't believe we walked around <laughs> like that we're like you were cool what are you hey, talking about it was
0: easy they were boys it was like easy but <laughs> I, I at that time i didn't i we didn't want to pay i didn't want to pay the money for yeah. a regular haircut Yeah, I mean, that's like when that. i was
1: cutting your hair and i made you go bald yes yeah so. i'll
0: never forget <laughs> we, wow we're,
1: we're not good hair cutters
0: you're not a good hair cutter okay. i'm better than than <laughs> i used to be <laughs>
1: Okay.
2: So I can use this. I love of... doing these shows because you know, I'm providing therapy right here on your <laughs> yeah. show. I yes. Love it. Exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: You got it. So, you know, let's get now to the third event. So, like, you hadn't been through enough in your life. And then now all of a sudden you, your liver says, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of done. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, three years ago, I got the transplant. So we have to go back five years ago. Um, I thought I had the flu. Uh, and I really get sick. And so I literally had a friend drive me to the hospital. And so, you know, I just need to get checked out. It's been over a week. I'm not feeling good. My wife at the time was out at a conference. She was uh, up in the Twin Cities. And I said, look, just drop me off. I don't have any major injuries. I'm going to sit here forever waiting to get in for blood. You know, well, they took me in. They could not draw blood. My skin was so tight and so taut. Uh, after an hour, they finally came in the room and said, "We don't know what's going on, but you're not going anywhere because your hemoglobin, your blood count, um, is at 3.2, and you should be dead. You never should have woken up this morning."
0: Oh my gosh! You're like, how many times are people going to tell sure me know. I should have been dead?
2: You're
1: like, a <laughs> yeah, wa- you're, a, you're a walking miracle.
2: Yeah, and that is a, a common thread, but there's always that hope, and now again. I'm sitting up, I'm laughing, I'm joking with the nurses, and they're like, so, this guy's a 3.2, who brought him in, what ambulance team, what did they do to resuscitate? how did they help this guy? And the nurse like, he walked in the door. And he said, no, no, I know he's a funny dude, I know he's having a great time with you, but what did he do? He said, he walked in the front door, and he said, a guy with 3.2 does not walk in any door.
0: So, is, is the number supposed to be higher or lower? Like, was, were you deficient, or were you elevated?
2: I was empty so at a typical male to be around 15 or 14
0: Oh my at around gosh at 7
2: or 8 you should have bells and whistles going on around 7 or 8 you 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 should be having it. things go on So you I was were subs- at
0: 3.2 So you were like you were substantially deficient like they're going you're walking around you shouldn't be walking around kind of thing
2: Yeah no I should have been staggering I should not have any uh ability to concentrate to speak to laugh to you know yeah uh, they they said, literally, your wife probably should have come home and found you dead in bed because you never should have woke up. I said, like, I got up and I had cereal, took a shower, shaved, and I had a buddy drop me off. And they looked at me like I was the strangest guy in the world. What were you
0: symptoms at the time? Was, was it fever, body aches? Like, you thought it was the flu. What was what was yeah, making you think it was? I, the- I,
2: I just thought I was run down. I just thought I was, you know, because I don't get sick. So I was just a little bit off my game, as I tell people. I didn't quite have the energy that I normally do. I was a little bit sluggish, but not anything major. Um, they asked me all the questions of what what's the date, who's the president, because this affects your mind and everything. And I was like, bang, bang, bang. They're like, well, just so you know, you're going nowhere. You're the most critical man in the entire hospital right now. Wow. And they hung four bags of blood. They literally hung four bags of blood. And I heard the nurses that night, as I'm laughing with them watching football, the nurses would come in and say, you're the most fun dead man in the entire building.
0: Oh, my gosh. And we've never
2: hunted four bags on a living person before. We've never done it. I,
0: You know, I guess, I guess one thing I would ask you is, how did you respond to that? Because I think I'd have mixed feelings, you know, about that. Yeah, that's a cool thing to say. But, like, just talking about the severity of the condition that you're dealing with right now, that would also be a little sobering, to say the least. Oh, yeah, you know, you should be dead, you know.
2: Extremely sobering, uh, because uh, at that moment I was again I was in the hospital alone, my wife is out of town, she is coming back, but I'm completely alone trying to process the fact of I never should have woke up.
0: Did they tell you, you were, were in liver? liver did they tell you that your liver was failing, like you're you're gonna need a transplant? I mean how how much did they know at that moment?
2: They it took six months to figure that out.
0: Six months really?
2: Yeah, it took six months. Six months think... going to the mail clinic. I was going to Mayo Clinic in Rochester we're in the best in the world but because of all my history because of how I was not usually pain is a very high thing I have a great high pain tolerance my pain threshold does not equal your normal pain threshold so a 10 for you might be a 25 for me and that's always been a problem and so they were trying to equate normal symptoms and the doctors officially would say you're just a freak I mean, every doctor told me that and I'm like yeah and they, they said we have a problem because We can't do normal diagnostics because your body's not behaving like a normal diagnostic. So it literally took six months, and they finally found it, Um, and they sent my my wife and myself down and literally said his liver is 75% shot and gone, never coming back. He's a walking dead man. He just doesn't know it.
0: And because of your CMV, w- was that a disadvantage to you potentially being considered for a liver transplant? Was that another complication?
2: Yeah. When we got deeper into it, and I finally was uh, going through uh, pre-screening all the things, uh, they said, if we can prove that virus is active, you cannot get a transplant.
0: So they had to they had to go the step further and prove it was not active? Yeah. Okay, and then, then once they even figure it out, now you're sitting here going, i got to wait for a liver transplant.
2: Uh, yeah, and I waited three years.
0: Three uh,
2: years? Three, three years for the liver that's 75% shut. So I'm operating on 25% to start out with, and I went three years. So at the end, uh, the doctor said, this is one of the worst livers we've ever pulled out. This is, And this is the Mayo Clinic Jacksonville, the world's best transplant. So this is one of the worst, physical livers we've ever pulled out anybody and the fact is that you're still walking and driving after three years they were just blown away so and i never had pain never had pain
0: how did you process that three years how did how did you sustain yourself emotionally mentally through that period because that had to have been extremely unnerving and I, i You'd be filled of anxiety, and you'd be filled with worry, uncertainty, and like just always contemplating. You know, how many days do I have left?
2: That was part of it. Uh, the other part of the story, I had to step out of full time church ministry, mm-hmm. and my wife left me in that as well, and gave up on the marriage mm-hmm. because it was just so much. It was, just, and we we had we had daughters going off to college, so our exit plan for The uh, years together never happened. So during that time, I literally had to give up a career, give up a marriage, move from Minnesota to Georgia to live with my brother that I had not lived with since high school, and he became my caregiver. He took over the role of my wife. There were so many layers, Sean, of grieving, uh, processing, praying, uh, talking to the sky, talking with friends on the phone because I couldn't talk to my wife. Uh, after 25 years of marriage so there was a lot of processing but i can tell you honestly i never got angry at god Mm -hmm. i never because my hope doesn't allow me to do it i'm just i'm not wired that way so my hope was i'm going to beat this yeah the hardest part was i literally had to do a lot of it alone My, my my brother was there but there wasn't that personal intimate companion that you would want to have, you would want to have Jennifer with you. Right. Um, And because of a certain bond you have, that all got ripped away. So I would walk, walk, talk, when I first went to Georgia, I I could walk five miles a day around the beach with a liver at 25%. At the very end, I was walking around the little pond, not even a quarter of a mile, one time a day, and watching Netflix as a career, basically, before I got the call for the transplant.
0: Wow. Wow. And so was your transplant a uh, living donor or a, because you can do a living donor transplant for your liver, right? It'll, it'll grow.
1: Yeah. That's what Haley was mm-hmm.
2: doing.
0: Correct. Or was it a uh, deceased donor?
2: Uh, my story gets better, Sean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, mine was a deceased donor and they told me that up front with 75% gone, they will not do a partial. So I knew at an early part, that someone would have to die for me to live.
0: Oh, jeez! Wow.
2: And they, they do full psyche vows. They do the workup is extensive, both medically and emotionally, because to make this investment, you have to agree, uh, know this, know that, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And the fact is, you have to wrap your mind around. They talk about this theme, the gift of life. You literally have to wrap your head around for me to make it. Somebody has to die.
0: How did you process that?
2: And that was one of the most hardest part of the whole thing. Everything, uh, as crazy as it was, I had to really embrace the fact that that is a great, amazing gift. Checking that driver's license, checking that box is so important. And now I speak and I talk about it. But I mean, I'd always done it myself. But here I am waiting, literally waiting for someone to die so that I could get a phone call and they could harvest the organs and say, we have a match. You need to get on the table as fast as you can. And so you have to be ready to embrace it. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready to say, thank you. I mean, it's an amazing, hopeful thing to have life again, but you also have to grieve. So like my divorce, I grieved it like it was a funeral. I had to let that go and bury that. My career, I had to let that go and bury that. My only focus was to live every day the fullest I could live, and that was my hope every day. I got out of bed, I did what I could do, and I had hope for that day, but not in hope for what I used to have. I had to have a new hope to move every day forward.
0: Yeah. Do you know anything about your donor?
2: Um, interesting. There have been two different stories when I was still in Georgia that overlapped, and we think we may know who it is. I have reached out. That's a process because of confidentiality, and there. Uh, the family has their own wounds and everything else. I'm waiting for the opportunity to reach back to the family and tell them um, it was a worthy gift. I'm living life. I'm loving life. And I want to give them that love and that thank you mm-hmm. that, that they actually did it and did it well. And um, we think it was a young man. Pretty sure it was a car accident. Uh, and some of the things we have learned kind of time up mathematically for how long you have to have from death to transplant. There's a certain timetable you have to have. It's all mathematically figured out.
0: I could, I could see this being just something that um, some people would, would make them feel not worthy of. I mean, I guess, I guess it just your Mm -hmm. your self love, like, like just, but what you'd been through, I think that what you'd been through prior in your life maybe prepared you to be, you know, a a proper recipient of the gift that someone else was able to give to you in in that regard. But I just, I'm just fascinated at how you process that whole situation, because to your point, you know, someone else had to pass away in order for you to live. And then now this is the third time that you should have not lived yet. You are here. Like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, how do I, how do I honor that? It's, it's a gift and it's a burden.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, exa- I mean, that's, that's very well said, Sean. Uh, God and I had a lot of conversations about that uh, throughout my life. I've had conversations with God about, I know you have me here for a reason. I know I stuttered, but for some reason you want me to speak. You want me to be a broadcaster. You want me to be in church ministry. You want me to be on the platform. Um, I talked about the bully situation. I uh, go to school sometimes and I talked about, Hey, don't be a bully. I was picked on. I was stuttered. I was wedged. I was all these things kids do. So I've always been a beacon of hope and in the middle of it, like you just said, it can be very depressing. It can be very sobering that for some reason I go through these tragedies. But I always find a hope and then I have to give that hope away. I have to I have to go speak. I have to go do interviews like these. I cannot stay silent.
0: Yeah. That I just I'm I'm in awe, Jen. I yeah. I I am just sitting here just marveling at what he's been through, and to have his positivity and his outlook and his, you know, just effervescence. Like I feel yeah. like you do ooze hope.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oozing
0: hope. So it's oozing out of your pores, your essence, your 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 humanness, your your being.
2: Yeah. Well, and I laugh and I joke, and that's one of the things I tell people. Part of that hope is my humor. Mm-hmm. I I I have a little bit sideways humor with I think Sean you may have a little bit sideways humor <laughs> as well uh, <laughs> definitely
0: I well I, th- I of the two of us Jen Jen's probably got the more interesting humor side than than I do I'm I'm i I think it's funny when it's funny but she thinks some stuff that I don't think is funny is funny and I'm like what are you I'm like really you think that's amusing she likes silly funny <laughs> yeah uh, I like I like funny funny
2: yeah and and for me. I'm able to find human the weirdest thing. So, again, I'm you, you know, when I'm in the hospital uh, with the four bags hanging and the nurses have to every 50-minute come in because I'm on a call shit, I'm on a warning light. They're like, we are arguing in the hallway who gets to come in and visit you next because you're the most fun, exciting dead man. They literally was arguing who gets to come watch the football game. And Crack jokes with me. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny. And that's
2: but... how I dealt with all of this. I I've really just embraced that um, every day is a gift. Every day is a great adventure. Every day I get to go out here and do the best thing I can. And even when I was down to those final laps around the lake, um, I had a really heart-to-heart with my brother one day. We were painting his house. And I'm usually an energized as Buddy. I'm knocking it out usually. And I'm at the point of I'm going to throw the paintbrush into the stream near the house and just sit down and break. And he looks at me and he doesn't always have the greatest compassion. My brother doesn't. And he looked at me and he just said, tell me what's up. And we stood by the ladder and he let me just vent about, I can't move at the speed I want. It. I can't even paint a, a simple shingle on a house. It takes me three times longer. And at the same time, he looked at me and goes, you're doing everything you, you can at a higher level than anyone thinks you can go so take a break come back out if you want to but you're okay
0: that's awesome that
2: resets you that completely resets me to say you know what I should be in bed already I should be in excruciating pain and I'm not and so those things of the abnormal weird freaked out rich made it possible for rich to keep going forward every day I believed I was getting better and better when I was in fact dying.
0: You must you must look at this whole COVID thing and think this ain't nothing. I've been through some stuff. This <laughs> ain't nothing. I, I chew on this as a pre appetizer to my normal appetizer. Well,
1: I think Rich has nine lives, so yeah, he probably is saying. This well, is I don't.
0: Nothing. I'm I'm not thinking he's wanting to test the other ones. I think I think <laughs> you know three three almost uh, not. I shouldn't be here. Is are enough for yeah, any any person?
1: That's that's three too many.
0: <laughs> but it must, it, in all seriousness, it must have really just equipped you to deal with some some hard stuff. Like you've had your abundant share of hard stuff. I mm-hmm. feel like you got a heavy help in a hard stuff.
2: Yeah. Yes, yeah. and, and, and actually, I've talked with my fiance. I've talked with people online with the webinars and shows that I do. And, speaking and I've talked with friends and neighbors that I've been in lockdown covid twice in my life. I have been but that place you have to recreate yourself twice in life. I have been in that place where it's me in a laptop, uh, when when I was liver failing and being with my brother, I saw to write movie scripts, T V scripts. I just began to find a new creative outlet for my creative juices in my bedroom with my laptop. I have gone and pivoted long before people even knew what pivoting was. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's where I'm trying to get people to hope. COVID, to say, look, there's a lot of grim, there's a lot of negativity in the media, and I'm, and I'm a broadcaster, I come out of the media, but there's also so much good, don't listen to the grim, don't don't focus on the darkness, focus on the light. Uh, there are so many amazing stories right now that are out there, so the hope, and I wish our leaders were doing better, I wish they had better uh, presenters uh, at, on the leadership side, our political side, tell us the truth that it, it, it's painful. It's hard. It's not easy. And then give me hope for the future. Yeah. See, that's one thing that I always did. I always got to look at the fact I'm dying. I, I had to do salt checks. I had to do blood checks. I had to do all those things. I knew the, the grim, but I refused to let the grim win. And I always focused on the good, the fun, the next hopeful thing. I wish we had more of that
0: today. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. That's the main reason that we're doing the Hope Radio podcast is to get more of that out there. And And that was a great, uh, I think, intro to the next question that I have. And that is that, you know, I'm imagining that somebody's listening right now that is going through some stuff, maybe some stuff they've never dealt with before, maybe life-changing stuff, maybe even life-ending stuff like you went through. I mean, it just, it just depends. And I, I guess the question would be as a survivor, as a guy that's, Been through it, come out the other side stronger, more faithful, more resilient. You know, what would you say to somebody right now that's feeling anxious, unnerved, worried, maybe fearful, maybe angry, you know, because of the present situation? Maybe, you know, I always imagine like a restaurateur that was thriving for four restaurants that now is facing bankruptcy or a gym owner or maybe somebody's got somebody that's sick and because of covid right now that's that's in a life or death situation. So what would you say to somebody in that situation based on your experience and what you've been through?
2: Yeah, there's, there, there's, there's several things with that. First of all, um, and I was told this uh, by the first doctor that said, you have, you're have you dying. Um, he said, don't Superman. Don't pretend like this is not happening. Don't pretend like you're not hurting. Don't pretend like you're not having the pain. But admit it. Stop playing Superman. Stop posing for everybody. Uh, there's, there's a way to do it with dignity. There's a way to say my business is upside down. COVID is affecting our bottom line, our bills, our intake or outtake. There's a way to admit that without having it be this overwhelming, disastrous, painful thing. Um, So you can be real and authentic and still have your head lifted up, have your ability to say, you know what, this is the reality. This is what I'm dealt with. Um, And then you need to start figuring out how to move again and, I guess number two would be your old reality is not your new reality. I mean, we were talking about the new normal. Um, I don't like the phrase because it isn't normal. Uh, My life is not a normal life anymore. I can't go out because of COVID right now. My immune system will never be the same. So I have to have a a different way of doing life. But it's not a new normal, it's a recreative life. Mm -hmm. I always have to be recreating and re-coming up with a new way to do this. So for me, but the creativity part of me kicks in. Entrepreneurs, people that launch businesses, people that are trying to do those new inventive things, entrepreneurs know how to pivot and redesign. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think it's the corporate people right now that are having a lot more struggle. they built these big empires. And they're downsizing. They have brick and mortar. Uh, and that's the harder part is, how do you pivot and recreate that? So yeah. to me, the independent operator I think has more hope more opportunity because you can go do it I think the harder conversation is how do you sit down with your board and say yeah. we need to cut everybody and I'm going to have hope here but to me it's the message of hope disaster is one thing hope real hope not false hope not 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 you know trying to reach for the stars you know you're never going to get there real hope for people is such a powerful thing
0: no, I couldn't agree with you more. Well said. I, I, you know, I do think that entrepreneurs are much more um, ready and able to pivot, and I think that that's going to be important moving forward. But I also think that, you know, even if the worst of what people imagine—losing that business, going bankrupt—you know, uh, having to completely build yourself up from the from ground zero like the the blessing of that is you have an opportunity to to start something new like even if that does happen i think that you know what i worry about is somebody that's never faced ruin like that before and instead of facing it thinks about ending their life you know that's that's mm-hmm. what i worry about that's yeah. that's kind of the main driver of this show is somebody that's so hopeless that they don't see a point in in moving forward and i think the encouragement that i would want to share which is the same encouragement that you're sharing is is literally if you if you imagine it the best days of your life could be ahead of you mm-hmm. that this could be the catalyst to get you to follow the your actually god given purpose, maybe you weren 't following that before, maybe now this leads to something else. Maybe this is a rebirth of something, maybe this is something brand new that you bring your family or your or the world or or whatever. But if you just hold on to this thought that even through this challenging time, even if the worst of my fears come to fruition, what if this is the biggest blessing in disguise I've ever received in my life? I just can't see that yet. Maybe it's going to take me a few years. Maybe it's going to take me a few months. Maybe it's going to take me 10 years before I see that. But what if it's the biggest blessing I've ever received in my life? I just don't know that
2: yet. Exactly. And the way you get there, I think, is allow yourself to dream. I am a crazy, nutsy dreamer. I love hearing what I call the big, very audacious goals, the whack-out dreams. I love dreamers. And at this point in history, we need dreamers again. Yes. Uh, Because I am a broadcaster, but I'm not doing sports broadcasting. There are no games to broadcast. Yeah. So, but I've pivoted to go online to coach people on public speaking and using the virtual stage. I'm using the same skill set, but I am dreaming of a new way to do it for my home office. If you dream, and not just dream, but as Walt Disney used to say, I love to do the impossible. I love meeting people that love to do the impossible because they do inspire, they do bring hope and they will create new outlets for people for industries that appear to be dead, but in fact, they're going to be reborn in a new way. We need more dreamers in our world. We need the crazy whacked out ducks to speak and jump on board with them.
0: Love that. Couldn't agree with you more. Rich, you've been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Loved your kernels of wisdom. I am so glad you're here. God has a purpose for your life. I know you know this already, but you are living it today. Your message, what you've went through, what you've suffered, what you endured, what you overcame, that is going to be a beacon of light and hope to others through this podcast, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show.
2: Well, Sean, Jennifer, thank you for having me on. Again, this is this is what I live with. I, I am a giver, and I do want to give back, and I do want to people to know no matter what you're going through right now no matter what it is uh there is hope uh your 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 darkest day um does not have to be the end um also the scriptures even talk about where there's darkness there has to be a light but there's a shadow there's a light instead of looking at the shadow start looking for where the light source is that's creating the shadow in your life look for the light and go toward the hope it's a lot better way to live your life.
1: Wow. Yes. Couldn't
0: agree more. That's yes. awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Thank Rich. Thank you
1: so much.
2: Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, my gosh. What did you think of his story?
0: I loved it. Mm-hmm. I really, I was riveted. Hearing him talk about, like, his life, talk about the fact that he shouldn't be here, like, mm-hmm. the the disease that he had, CMV, I think is what it was called. And then to be lit on fire like a candle at 10. And then the liver transplant and like how all that. And then I felt like this guy, like I knew a little bit about a story. Yeah. So he talks about, okay, I shouldn't have been alive at birth. I, I weathered that. I got you know, lit on fire like a torch Ugh. when I was 10, gosh. had to have a liver transplant, but then to lose his job and to have his wife leave him too, oh, No. I feel like it's the makings of a country song.
1: Oh gosh. I just feel like he has a purpose and he's meant to be here for whatever reason and he's got like 29 lives.
0: Yeah. I, I, I guess I just, when I hear stories like that, I just count my blessings that I have not had to deal with. With that, it mm-hmm. seems unfair that he's had that much adversity come against him in his life.
1: It does. But it maybe really does. that
0: speaks to his potential. Maybe that speaks to his mission, his mm-hmm. calling, his purpose on the planet. Yeah. But I, I I, loved it. I mean, I loved the story. I loved how he framed it. I think he's an excellent communicator. So I, I felt like that was a really, really good message.
1: Well, yeah, he's an excellent communicator he's a broadcaster i
0: know plus he knows a lot about sports too yeah i don't know a lot about sports
1: yeah and the fact that he had a a, he stuttered
0: yes like we're forgetting about the stutter that he overcame
1: and then he ended up being a broadcaster like where you're using your voice all day
0: taking your weakness and turning Uh, it into your strength
1: that's a great story
0: kudos to you rich yes kudos to you
1: Yes, that's amazing.
0: I look up to that. He's I think an that's overcomer. Awesome. Yeah, he is. Yeah. The definition of. Exactly. He and Mandisa should sing a song together.
1: <laughs> oh, I love Well, that. I
0: don't know if he could sing, but they should sing a song together I bet
1: together you he, anyway. can, he can sing. He can I bet you. Yeah, I bet you.
0: Well, if people want to hear more stories mm-hmm. like Riches, how do they do so, Jen?
1: They can tune us in on iTunes.
0: Google Play.
1: IHeart Media.
0: Radio, Jennifer. It's iHeart Radio. Why do I say
1: iHeart Media? I don't know. Well, same thing. (laughs) It's different.
0: (laughs) If someone's going to try to find it, it is different. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and Amazon Alexa.
1: SoundCloud. What? Yeah.
0: Yeah, there too.
1: SoundCloud. And if they want to. Connect with us on our social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Radio Podcast.
0: Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Give us a follow. Give us a DM. A just direct give message. us some
1: love. I mean, we're, yes. we're doing this for free. So just all you have to do is give us some love.
0: Sometimes the encouragers yeah. need a little encouragement. Yeah. Right? Exactly.
1: I think I, I like that.
0: You like that? Yeah. I think I heard that from somebody.
1: every single show we do encourages me.
0: Yes. Hearing a story like Rich's, there's no question. I'm
1: encouraged. I'm filled with hope.
0: I feel like I can go out there and and take care of some business and tackle some things. Let's go do it. All right. Well, we should do another podcast tomorrow then. Okay.
1: Let's do another one. Let's
0: do another interview tomorrow.
1: After that, we'll go take care of business. All right. Okay. Conquer the world.